Hello, and welcome to The Camera Report, brought to you by WaterfootFilms.com. Today, we're speaking with one of the co-founders of the brand new Global Cinematography Institute in Los Angeles, Yuri Naiman, ASC. Yuri co-founded the new school with fellow director of photography Vilmo Sigmund, ASC, and is an accomplished director of photography, educator, and film industry innovator. As a director of photography, Yuri is best known for his work on the breakthrough independent film Liquid Sky and the neo-noir thriller DOA, starring Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan. As a technological innovator, he developed the 3CP system, which allows a director of photography to communicate on-set color grading decisions directly to the colorist, thereby avoiding creative miscommunications and costly mistakes. The system has been widely adapted and employed in today's film industry. Yuri also developed the curriculum for a course he taught at AFI for several years called History of Cinematography, which would lead him eventually to the idea for the Global Cinematography Institute. The program at GCI not only emphasizes traditional cinematography, but also digital and what Yuri calls virtual cinematography, training the directors of photography of today to also be the directors of imagery for 3D worlds of tomorrow. Today, he joins us from his office in Los Angeles. Thank you for being with us, Yuri. Thank you, Sean. About the Global Cinematography Institute, can you tell us the story of how this idea got started? Well, the idea started simply from my observation, and later Wilmos joined me, we started it together. My observation on what's happening in cinematography and what's happening in cinematography education, because I have a very convenient position as founder of Gamma Density Company. We see all kinds of cinematographers coming through our company, cinematographers, DIT, all kinds, of, whole spectrum. And we know very well what is realistically happening in a set with equipment, with uh, knowledge, with acceptance or non-acceptance of new technology from one side. On second side, I've been uh, invited uh, to teach an AFI new discipline, history of cinematography, which I've always been interested in, and I suggested that I will create history of cinematography for AFI, and I told that for three or four years. And so I created as history of cinematography, as history of not technology, but history of style. So anyway, my observation and my contact with students, it's given a lot of food for thought about what is not exactly happening in education of cinematographers. Education is very uh, traditional. It does not reflect new technological trends in any kind. And also it is not systematic. So. When we start to talk with Wilmush about it, we share many similar roots because he came from Budapest Film School, I came from Moscow Film School a long time ago. He is, well, he graduated much earlier than I am, and he came in this country in 56, I came in this country in the 80s. But we basically had a very similar training. And we start to talk about, well, how many weeks and months we spent on history of art, understanding cinematography, not as a technological sum of knowledge, but as art first and foremost. And we kind of, one thing led to, to another. I told Wilmush, I have an idea, maybe we have to open school, not for beginners, but for people who are already cinematographers or students, and we'll teach them more about art side of cinematography. But from other side, we'll introduce them to new kind of cinematography, which we called expanded cinematography, which involved 
digital cinematography and virtual cinematography, which becoming a very, very important part of cinematography of present and cinematography of the future. So this led us to idea to create school. Well, you just mentioned the Institute focuses not only on traditional cinematography, but also virtual cinematography, as you called it. Um, and that is, for our listeners, executing the look of things like special effects work, animated films, video games. What, what in your opinion, is currently lacking visually in a lot of these virtual mediums that you would say requires a cinematographer's eye to get it right? What's happening? What's happening? People who are involved in virtual cinematography, they're not cinematographers. They're very often programmers and very good, with good knowledge of all tools of Maya, but they don't have, let's say, visual education or understanding of cinematography as an art. Virtual cinematography, it is partially animation, but it's not necessarily animation. All virtual cinematography is when camera is not real camera, but a virtual camera, and when subject in front of the camera, not real subject, but virtual subject, done in Maya or any of software. Uh, let's say animation part of this, but it's only a small part. It involves uh, motion capture in many, many other fields. So definitely there is a possibility to put light here, put light there. But what light means? Because how to set right lighting pattern for a script or for interpretation of the script? How to make mood? It's all art of cinematography, it's not technology. So it is why recently a lot of cinematographers became involved in animation and special effects film more and more and more. So, for instance, like a cinematographer like Roger Deakins consulting on a film like Wally or How to Train Your Dragon. Rango, yes. And Janusz Kaminski, which is very important, first time in history, get credit of cinematographer on animated film Tintin. And this is extremely important uh, because he consulted uh, Spielberg and consulted his team. And you can see that Lighting is very not traditional lighting as animation film, but it's lighting which came from life, say, cinematography. A, a very simple part of that, of course, is just the mere fact that cinematographers know the language of photographing things and of lenses and sort of intangible things that maybe a computer programmer wouldn't have um, as firm a grasp on. Correct, because they basically, what they know, they know how to use technology to achieve artistic effects. Because uh, after all, cinematography is a form of art. It's not a form of technology. So I can tell you're very passionate about, about the art of cinematography and also about education. Can you tell our listeners why you're so passionate about this, why this has become your cause? Well, I think is one reason. Okay, cinematography now coming through very difficult times. Avalanche of technology allowed some people say, well, you don't need to light. You'll have nice image without lighting. Uh, or you can do it without cinematographer. Like, for example, CNN recently fired all still photographers because everybody is still a photographer because everybody has an iPhone camera. Yes, they are photographers, but they are not photographers. They're just registrators. They know how to use camera to register event. But it will be no Robert Kappa 
but will be no any great photographers who can create great images and symbols. No. Same happening or about to start to happen with cinematography. Because cinematography is, as a profession, in my opinion, it will not stick to art side, because then everybody can be a cinematographer. And it means everybody can be behind camera and register event. Will these images be passionate or symbolic or significant or meaningful? Most likely not. But this is what essence of cinematography is, to create images which are very meaningful for script, for film. Would you say part of that is because of cheaper and cheaper cameras, like the Canon DSLRs, getting into more and more people's hands? The fact that people have more hands on a camera means nothing, because, well, uh, it is how you use camera. How to use camera. I'm very often showing to my students uh, equipment list of Greg Toland for Citizen Kane. It's 24 items, normal camera, lenses, not a first rate, maybe second rate or third rate. There's lenses which have been available for Arcos Studio. But frankly, who cares what camera he used or lens? It's very, it's very strange things happen when camera became a star which is a totally perverse from my point of view. Cameras always existing and lenses always existing. A lot of great cinematographers of 30s and 20s, great, great, great images with very inferior equipment compared to today. It really doesn't matter. It matters is ability to create images which people can remember. They became memorable images. And this is, requires art of cinematography. So knowledge of camera doesn't mean anything. A lot of people know knows camera very well, like in engineers, fine. And they can operate camera if they cinematographers, no. Because cinematographer is a pe person who cre creates images. So basically my passion is to prolong profession of cinematography as long as possible, because otherwise it would be extremely boring. <laughs> <laughs> the history of cinematography course you teach what is it in that class that you focus on the most? Are you focusing on uh, particular cinematographers uh, and their styles or particular breakthroughs in cinematography? Well, I look, uh, okay, history of cinematography may have many, many different uh, approaches. There's a very technical, have like maybe five, six great books about technological history, who invented what, when, and how. Sure, it's very interesting. Um, my teaching of history of cinematography is basic as teaching of history of styles. First of all, let people know that in cinematography there are different styles existing. You know, the decorative style, like ornamental style, constructive style. Basically, it's coming from history of art, because all history of art rotating around these three kind of styles. So I teaching students recognize the style, and I'm showing how in different period of development of history of cinematography, how people using periodically certain tools and not using certain tools, and how it's all changing all the time. Our purpose in uh, our institute to teach people how to create their own individual style. It's what basically top cinematographers are known for and what they hired for. They've been able to create style, not because they can shot 25 pages a day. Sure, some production requires cinematographers for nothing else but shot 22 pages a day, no matter what. It's one approach. But if you're talking about high art of cinematography, people hired because they've been demonstrated and uh, been able to create style. 
which this or that script requires. You're trying to give your students a foundation to find their own style. Correct. I believe it's the highest achievement for Svatorfer to find his own style because when I've been teaching Eastern Svatorfer in AFI, in one class I say you have to realize what kind of Svatorfer you are. Are you a dramatic Svatorfer? Are you a documentary Svatorfer? Are you a poetic Svatorfer? Or a realistic Svatorfer? And don't try to do something which is not your cup of tea. Sure, as a professional you can do everything, but real, real success, recognition and happiness you can find only in a style which is close to you. But for this, you have to understand what style is. Tell us about your own path. You've continued to grow professionally, first as a DP in Russia, then here in the U.S., then as an educator and a businessman. What were your goals when you first came to the United States? Well, I don't have goals, per se, because I was expelled from the Soviet Union. I'm a political refugee, so basically it was not so much a choice. I, I grabbed my wife, my little son, We've been stripped from Soviet citizenship and, uh, and given exit visa without a right to return. So we, frankly, we, we could never imagine just things will change so much. But we, we left the Soviet Union knowing perfectly that we will probably never see it again. <laughs> Forgive my ignorance, and I, and I hope it's not too personal a question, but what were the circumstances surrounding your exit? of the Soviet Union? Why were you considered a political enemy? Well, I wouldn't say it was enemy per se. It was a lot of people get, start to get in, immigrated from Soviet Union. Uh, uh, well, let's say um, I've been involved in a couple pictures which have been considered not exactly pro-government. Uh, secondly, in the end of the like 70s, beginning of the 80s, it was a huge wave of anti-Semitism in Russia, and basically they don't give chance to work to anybody who has Jewish sounds last name, like, like me, and, and my father is a Jew. And even if I graduate from my film school with um, distinction, so-called red diploma, they told me I have no place in Soviet Union. They told me in my face. And in the end, it was a very small event. I wrote article about color, very innocent article about color in cinema. It was published in a magazine called Technology of Film and Television. And um, I get a news from them that it was a Communist Party meeting, which I was never a member of the party. Uh, about uh, one of the subjects was my article, which been considered anti-social realism, tendencies in camera art, which is a Soviet language, is uh, basically almost a dead sentence. <laughs> if I was labeled as anti-social realist, because a lot of my films been shot extremely expressionistic, and I've uh, been considered just I'm not so good for Soviet Union. <laughs> So after you came to the United States, you, you started working on camera crews, eventually getting to uh, be a DP. Can you tell us a little bit about Liquid Sky in particular? Well, when I came to the United States, you have to go to New York because I couldn't go in Los Angeles. By some immigration rules, you have to stay in New York. And, uh, well, I got my first work as a loader. <laughs> immediately after my six pictures in Russia as DP, but it's not, it's not a big deal. And uh, somewhere in like immediately after three or two or three months living in New York, and uh, then I shot some small film for NYU student, and the small film led me to start working on small commercials and small industrials, 
And then I met my old friend Slava Zuckerman, director of Liquid Sky, whom I knew from Moscow, and he came in, I said, from Israel. And, uh, and we start to plan how to make independent film, uh, and, but this independent film has to look like 10 million dollars film, but it's supposed to be done for much, much less money. It's supposed to be involved in special effects, which I'm kind of expert. So I said, well, no big deal, I can do it. We found investor and we shot film. And frankly, we never knew it would be such a great success. And, but film been playing three years nonstop in, in New York. And uh, one of the biggest, biggest uh, compliments I received when one night our producer called me. He was in Los Angeles and he tried to sell a movie in Paramount or somebody. And she told him, I don't understand why you have to spend $5 million on cult film. And he said, what do you mean $5 million? But look at the look of your film. Only special effects cost at least $2 million, which in effect cost 40000 So he called me at night and said, Yuri, you know what? They value your work as $2 million. <laughs> I said, well, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> You're also the president of Gamma and Density Company and uh, the developer of the 3CP system. Yes. And that's the cinematographer's color correction process. Can you tell our listeners about the 3CP system and, and what it's used for? Company started very simple. I never planned to go in a business. Uh, frankly, if somebody would tell me, I would laughing a lot. What's happened in the 90s uh, when Telecine came to our territory? We never we stopped to have a chance to see print dailies. I worked extensively on commercials and music videos, and with non linear editing systems like Lightworks and Avid. Uh, producers realize they don't need to have dailies printed. It could be files, which saves them a lot of money. And computer doesn't need print dailies. So, whole system of control which has been built for mm, generations, how you process your negative, how you print it, being overnight broken. Okay? Because it was no any standard how to transfer from the negative. Absolutely not. So when I, once I did one music video or commercial, I forgot, and this is the same people, and, uh, and producer told me, okay, you're this time, you'll have no print Davis. I said, how? No, okay. So I worked, I worked with the same people, basically exposed the same way, and realized, like, every day I'm getting totally different results. <laughs> so I thought it's some kind of mistake. I called uh, Telecine and said, what's going on, guys? So told me, no system of control. That's strange. I called Kodak, they even don't understand what I'm talking about. Absolutely. So, and again, I have a degree in color science. So I took color chart from Kodak, cut it into pieces, and assigned to certain uh, field of the chart level of the signal, what's called an IRE. And tell my colorist, okay, so basically if you see this chart, adjust it this way. And don't touch anything, no matter what. Well, it was great success, and so I started to get normal dailies. And uh, other people heard about it and asked me to cut, to cut the charts for them. I said, well, I'm not exactly cutting machine. <laughs> but then when I came back to Los Angeles from, like, from a location, I talked to Kodak, and because I knew a lot of people, I said, guys, can you do such a chart? And uh, they said, what talk about it? We chart from Tennessee. I said, we have no idea, but some scientists will came from Rochester and will talk to you. I said, fine, 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 fine. So a scientist came. He looked at this, Yuri, what are you doing? Nobody needs it. Telecine will disappear in a couple of years. 
said, are you sure? No. And I was with my assistant, young guy, and we together he, we looked at each other. Who is this guy? Well, we know who is this guy, but <laughs> and how the, he could be so blind in oblivious to what's going on. Well, we left, and then I got a call from my friends in Kodak. <laughs> and they told me, Yuri, have you seen such and such? Said, yes. They don't understand anything, but they will copy what you told them. So run in patent office immediately. Seriously, it was very st strange to me. So it's why I got my two patents. But anyway, I, we decided to make a special chart from Utalicini. And for a lot of people, like thousands and thousands of people got them. And then this came idea, just then it was a premature idea. Technology was not there yet to create software which shows on a screen how it's going to look like image before it will be Antalicini. So a cinematographer can color correct things on a set or offset and send all data to Telecine, which would be perfect communication. It was a long time ago, it was like 97, 6. Nobody could comprehend this idea, but we still built first system, tested in 98, used first time in 2000. Then in 2004, we built a laptop, and now it is extremely complicated, but very simple. It's complicated in inside. It's an extremely powerful system for data management and color correction. We have a working practically in every country, and uh, I'll forget already how many hundreds of pictures using it. You wear a lot of hats, so to speak. When are you happiest? They all challenging. The challenge is very important. <laughs> It's all challenging, and uh, they have their own place and time. Uh, I was extremely happy just I created first our system of color correction on a set, and offset, which should be a huge debate. Now it's practically everybody using it. And when I'm a cinematographer, I'm happy with some pictures, which I think I did what I exactly planned, and not happy with other pictures, which I think I was not able to do for objective or subjective reason. And now it's education. But it's very different from cinematography and it's very different from technological invention and building company. It's very different because I think it's one of the most rewarding because when you ask me what was my main motivation, I can tell you basically looking at my former students, which practically I'm in touch with most of them <laughs> still. They're still showing me their scripts and we're talking about what would be good style for the pictures, small or big. Looking at them, that after like AFI, after other schools, whatever, they barely can get a job because they're not on the market. they lucky if they have like gig of small commercial gig or small something gig, or a lot of people working on, let's say, uh, gaffers or grips, which is an excellent job, but not after two years of AFI. They couldn't find anything else. And this is a very complex problem because some people are not supposed to be at school in the first place. It's why in our school we have screening process. I mean, we're looking in portfolios, we see based on our mutual experience. Well, this guy probably had a good possibility. He has eye, he has imagination, he has a talent. And we decline a lot of people who, sorry, you're not ready for us yet. Your work is not on the level which we'd like to have. What's the best advice you can offer to young or aspiring cinematographers? Best advice would be learn to love images. You have to love images. Because at the end of the day, after a very long day, if you can say to yourself, well, today was a difficult day, but I, at least I did one good image which I will be proud of. This is your reward. 
You have to love images, because if you don't love images, the work would be very, very, very depressing. <laughs> well, Yuri, we're so grateful that you've joined us today. If anybody wants to learn more about the Global Cinematography Institute, um, can you give us uh, the website for that? And where would they go if they wanted to learn more? Okay, uh, www.globalcinematography.com. www.globalcinematography.com. And the first uh, session of classes begins March 17th, is that right? Yes, we have first class of, um, yes, uh, March 17th will be start. And it's totally full. We have to move some people on the second session, which starts in the middle of the May, 12th of May. And second session of practically half already full. And we probably, yeah, because we have small classes. We don't like to be like 28 people like in somewhere. We'd like to keep classes 15, 16 max. Then you can have most important part of the education. You have contact. And we have a variety of the, of the subjects like advanced cinematography for feature films, advanced cinematography for music video, digital cinematography, digital lighting, fundamentals of lighting and, and composition, image management for set to post, pre-visualization and virtual cinematography one. So you have to attend all these classes in order to go on a second course, which you can select from this and plus few more classes like U3D and History of Arts in Cinematography, like few other classes up to 12. You can select three and study them more in depth. Well, Yuri, thank you so much again. We really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom and your passion with us today. Thank you for this opportunity. I really appreciate it, Sean. Thank you very much. Our thanks again to Yuri Neyman, ASC. And thank you for downloading this episode of The Camera Report produced by Brad Malone and Sean Malone. We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at waterfootfilms.com. For more episodes of The Camera Report, please visit waterfootfilms.com and click on the podcast link. Subscribing is easy and free. Also, search for Waterfoot Films on Facebook and then like us to see updates. I'm Sean Malone. Thanks again for listening.